Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group and News Talk 1130 WISN. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach. Well, it's finally here, 2021. Welcome to a new year, a year many of us are really looking forward to. You know, we want to leave all the negative things of 2020 behind and move into a new year with renewed hope and anticipation. Now, some of you may have resolutions or a list of goals that you create for the new year. I do something a little different. I'm involved with a few different organizations that focus more on finding one word, not a list of things, but one word that'll serve as your North Star, if you will, something that'll guide you and direct your path as you navigate through another year. Now, we've done this in uh, my women's Bible study that I've been a part of for over 15 years. I've done this in the Bible study that I lead here at Ellen Becker. We did this at an EIG staff meeting a number of years ago, and we also do this at Few International, which is a, a group I belong to. Few International, Fellowship of Extraordinary Women that meets once a month. And over the years, I've heard women share their word for the year, words like perseverance, joy, intentionality, purpose, inspiration, strength, grateful, healthy. I mean, the list goes on and on. I've had a number of different words over the years, but about two years ago, I chose to focus on a word that kind of encompasses all the other words that I've had. And that word is eternal because I want my thoughts, my words, and my deeds to have eternal significance. Now, some people have a hard time coming up with just one word because there are so many good ones, right? Some people may choose to have a new word every month, and that's fine too. The idea is to have just one word that is easy to remember that will remind you of what's important and point you in the right direction. So the month of January is National Mentoring Month. And if we were to pick one word for this month, it would be mentor. Over the years, we've interviewed a number of people that serve as mentors, either personally or professionally. And I think it's so important to share our experiences, our wisdom, our success, and even our challenges, for that matter, with a young person in an effort to make a difference in that person's life. And we at ERG are happy to highlight nonprofits that are doing that. So my first guest today is Amy Kio, president and CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters of Metro Milwaukee, whose mission is to create and support one-on-one mentoring relationships that ignite the power and promise of the youth in our community. Welcome to the show today, Amy. Thank you, Jill. I'm happy to be here. We're happy that you are here and excited to learn uh, some good things going on. So why don't you give us a little personal bio and tell us how you ended up as the president and CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters of Metro Milwaukee. Absolutely. Um, I, I can say that I, I can relate to what you're talking about with regarding finding a purpose. And for my entire career, I have been focused on nonprofit work. Uh, and I spent 10 years in the arts, 10 years at the Milwaukee Public Museum, and I've been at Big Brothers Big Sisters in Metro Milwaukee for 14 years. And I can tell you that the satisfaction involved in doing nonprofit work is priceless. And I will also tell you that Big Brothers Big Sisters has uh, 
just a tremendous combination of volunteers who go above and beyond and donors who go above and beyond and courageous families, uh, single parent households and kids that have all kinds of challenges in their life. And when you give them a chance, boy, do they show you they can do it. And, so and I this- bet it's I bet it's very fulfilling to be a part of that. Right. It's so satisfying to see. Uh, I mean, in the last year, as you mentioned in your opening, 2020 was super challenging. Um, Many of our families were struggling with a health crisis, an economic crisis, and their constant struggle for social justice. And when you add that up, uh, those are hard mountains to climb. And I'll tell you that the kids in our program and the families in our program and the, the big brothers and the big sisters in our program, they all showed up and they're all working hard. And they're all making it happen. And so it, it's a really a tremendous organization to be a part of. Uh, and again, uh, very much uh, satisfying and fulfilling work to do and important as well. Well, for sure, for sure. So Big Brothers Big Sisters pairs an adult or a family with a child with the goal of developing a relationship that'll have a direct and lasting effect on the life of that child. So why don't you give us a profile of the children that you serve? Absolutely. Um, We focus on moderate risk children. These are kids that are living in single parent households, mostly kids that are in single parent households. They are also uh, mostly low income families. And there's about 15% of our kids that have an incarcerated parent. So again, um, they have challenges in their life. uh, But we purposely very intentionally work with volunteers and you'll meet a big brother later in this episode. I know you're, you're going to chat with Aaron. Um, We also want to make sure that this child has a chance to succeed with a volunteer mentor and with the professional support of big brothers, big sisters. So we do a lot of screening up front to make sure that we are matching a big brother with a little brother that has something in common that they were focused on measurable outcomes. And so, um, Again, our program is intentional, it's evidence-based, and these kids are very, very capable of succeeding. We just have to give them a chance, and we have to give them some focus. Right. Well, okay, so your mentoring program is proven and evidence-based, as you said. So what types of things are you finding then? (laughs) Good question, Um, because you kind of get what you focus on, right? I mean, we've all heard that over and over again. So we have three outcomes that we focus constantly on, and it's educational success, avoidance of risky behavior that has to do with drugs, alcohol, teen pregnancy, all things that are life-changing, either for the good or not for the good, and then social-emotional development. Uh, Every relationship um, that we try to develop helps a child with some of those soft skills, building self-confidence, self-awareness, emotional connection, healthy relationships with adults. And so we pre-test kids when they get in the program and we post-test kids every year they've been in the program. So we look at these outcomes, we're measuring and benchmarking, again, with the help of our tremendous volunteers, building youth development plans that focus kids. Oftentimes, these are children who need help with schoolwork. We're trying to bridge that educational divide. And so focusing on education, we know what a difference in education makes in anyone's life. Uh, We want to make sure these kids graduate high school on time. I mean, the kids in our program in 2020, 100% of our seniors graduated on time. Uh, Yeah, a lot of these children are Milwaukee Public School kids, and the graduation rate with Milwaukee Public Schools is 67%. So Mm -hmm. the difference between a child in our program and a child out of our program, again, with the intentional programming that we focus on and the, the caring adult in the life of these kids, it's pretty amazing. 
Yeah. Well, now let's look at the other side of the equation here. We've, we've learned a little bit about the, the kids that you serve. Let's look at the mentors and the big brothers and big sisters. What are the qualifications and commitment to be a big brother or sister? Yep. Another good question. I mean, we're looking for people over 21 years old. We're, we're looking at young adults, but our age ranges are 21 all the way up to, I mean, we have an 80-year-old volunteer in our program. Wow. And these kids are learning from people that are sometimes close in age because we serve kids from six years old to 19. And if you get somebody who's 21 and they're mentoring a child in high school, there's a close, there's a closeness with age. And sometimes you're, you get, we have a seven-year-old that's, that's getting mentored by someone in their sixties, you know, who might be an empty nester, but that generational experience and knowledge is also something that is tremendously can be life-changing. So, you know, we have a very open focus with regards to age range with volunteers, but we also are providing a case manager behind the scenes to help guide that mentoring relationship again. So those outcomes are something that we can deliver consistently. Very good. Well, we're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to be talking with someone who's serving as a big brother and a mentor, and he's going to share his experience with us and why he does what he does. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Amy Kianchio, president and CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters of Metro Milwaukee. And we've invited Aaron Schmitz to join us today. Aaron has been a big brother and a mentor to 14-year-old Xavier for two years Aaron is a vice president of mortgage lending at Guaranteed Rate. Welcome to the show today, Aaron. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So why don't you share with us why you wanted to become a mentor? Yeah, so I grew up having a a mentor in my life um, at a younger-ish age, um, kind of starting off in, in grade school. And, you know, he was a big part of my life as far as, you know, having someone to talk to constantly for some of, you know, sometimes you get weird questions or, you know, you don't feel comfortable talking to anybody else. You have that go-to person. But also as impactful in my life is just making sure that as much as I want to say I was the perfect child, but it, it was nice to have someone to kind of keep me in line and, you know, keep me straight in, in as far as, you know, goal-wise and, and everything else. And, and additionally is, is to just really be there for you in, in any trouble times. So knowing that and knowing as, as I got a little bit older, how impactful that was on my life, really, I mean, one day I was just kind of sitting at, at my work desk and I was just thinking of that. And I knew that I wanted to do the same for someone else. So you were paying it forward, if you will. Yeah, yeah, you can say that. Yeah, we talk about doing that. Uh, many people, many organizations that do that all the time. What positive impact uh, then do you see in your mentoring relationship with Xavier, who I understand is a 14-year-old young man you've been partnered with for two years now? Correct. We got matched uh, December of 2018. Yeah, uh, 2018, which is two years now. And you know, the biggest thing is what I've noticed almost off the get-go was accountability and, and making the right choices. You know, when we first 
started talking and we're talking about what do you want to do? You know, what are some of the things that you know, inspire you? What are some of the things that you love? And, and just getting to know each other. And as, you know, the, the days progress and conversations progress, you can see he's growing more mature and natural uh, with, you know, just social engagement and, and just being more accountable and responsible and, and really just being a genuinely good human being. Um, not that he was in the beginning, but to see it progress and, and, and mature is, is awesome. And additionally as well is, is schoolwork, crazy boost up, you know, having someone ingrained into the back of his head more than he probably already has of the importance of, of good grades and, and getting homework done and, and holding himself accountable for that. Um, you know, we saw an instant boost in grades in, in just a short couple of months. So that was a huge thing. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And and I think it's so important too that these young men have another male influence. Uh sometimes it's going to be the only male influence, but may, you know, sometimes it it could be multiples, which is good. My understanding is that there's a uh, significant need for male mentors out there. So what would you say to other men that might be considering mentoring and becoming a big brother? Yeah. For, you know, for anybody considering or maybe not even knowing about it, that, you know, maybe listening to this um, that want to, you know, inquire about it to a certain degree. I mean, the outcomes and, and, and opportunities are really endless. You know, not only are you helping someone else and, and helping them grow and mold and build into a, an awesome human being, but additionally, you're benefiting yourself. You know, I know that when I first started the, the match, and when I look back from even two years ago, I see a huge amount of progress, just not only myself, as far as just being more responsible and, and accountable, because I know that I have to represent myself and, and be professional and courteous, um, because I'm also responsible for him to a certain degree. And on top of that, you just get to have fun. I mean, the amount of things that you know, we have done together that I definitely, or that we definitely probably would have never had an opportunity to do. Um, it just gets you out and active and engages and, and you almost build a friend. I mean, that's, that's the awesome part about this. So I definitely recommend this to anybody that I would come across. And it's just an awesome thing to do, especially for guys. Well, you talk about uh, being able to do a lot of things together, which is great. Has has COVID changed the mentoring in any way? Uh, to a certain degree. You know, obviously a lot of, pretty much everybody's obviously been impacted to a certain way, shape or form with COVID. But the biggest thing is there's so much technology nowadays that, you know, although you may not be able to see, uh, you know, the match directly in person, constantly like you normally would back when COVID wasn't a thing. I mean, nowadays there's Zoom, FaceTime, Skype. I, I mean, you name it, there's so many tools out there that you can engage with the match and you can actually do it more so than none. Um, because, you know, meeting in person, although it takes up a lot of time, it's, it's much easier sometimes to just pick up a phone or set up a, a FaceTime or a, a video call in a way. And you get to actually engage with them sometimes more than what you normally would pre-COVID. Would you add to that anything, Amy? I think what was interesting, and um, 
Aaron, I totally agree with you. You know, there's nothing, there's, there's nothing that replaces an in-person relationship, you know, and I think COVID in general has reinforced with all of us, you know, the value of human connection. Um, I think what has happened in the last nine months is that the frequency piece is equally as important as how you connect. It's how often you connect and, and technology has helped us increase the frequency with our mentoring matches in a way that again, it, it builds the relationship differently than an in-person because we ask our volunteers, it's a two-year minimum two-year commitment. It's a, it's a weekly expectation. Um, and now, you know, people are, like you said, Aaron, zooming and calling and texting, you know, maybe once a day, maybe once every three days, but the connection it, it's built on frequency versus in-person connection, but the connection is still there. And that's, what's important. That's exactly what's important. It's different, but we never stopped mentoring our, our program. We never stopped our program. We never stopped enrolling. We never stopped matching. And Aaron and Xavier never stopped meeting and connecting. And so that's been the beauty, um, even though COVID has been difficult, is that our program has still continued to deliver one-to-one professionally supported mentoring for the whole time. That's that's awesome because not everybody can say that, right? I mean, there's right. some nonprofits that are struggling. That's That's great. Besides mentoring, Amy, are there other things that people can do that would help your agency? Yeah, thanks for asking that, Jill. You know, our our program is a one-to-one mentoring organization, and oftentimes people are not able to make that kind of commitment. And, and we, we do a, a significant amount of screening up front to make sure that it's a commitment they can fulfill, because the last thing we want to do is disappoint these children. Right. Um, and so the other ways people can get involved, uh, for the most part, really is donating. Every one of our mentoring matches costs about $1,500 to recruit, enroll, train, and support a mentoring match for a full year. These kids, one year in our program, which costs about $1,500, if they ended up in the juvenile justice system, it costs about $67,000 to support a child who ends up in the juvenile justice system. So we are a prevention operation, and our program is to prevent that and you heard Aaron speaking, you know, it helps kids make healthy decisions. Those healthy decisions can be life changing. And so that's the return oftentimes on an investment with regards to you can't give the time. Can you please give a donation? I don't, it, it can be $10. That'll help us. Right. And, and I saw a statistic that said for every $1 invested, there's a $2.72 ROI. That's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it, it is. And that's the volunteer service delivery model. Um, you know, we could not afford to have 1,500 errands on our payroll. We can't do that. But the the value of his time uh, committed to Xavier week after week is priceless. But there is a value to it. So it's pretty amazing. Well, we uh, we never have enough time to hit everything we want to talk about. But uh, I think the way that we can end this is to share a call to action that you would have for our listeners. Give us some ideas, Amy, on on what you would suggest the call to action be. Yeah, and I think that our our best marketing tool is word of mouth. So we asked people, you know, and Aaron's one of them, please share your experience. He's the best marketing person we have because he lives and breathes the program. Anybody who has had a mentor in their life and knows the value of mentoring, I would say, please share that information. 
uh, and understand that that gift can be life-changing. Um, and the partnerships that we have and we have developed over time are also organizations and individuals that have given over and over again uh, in a way that, again, it adds a value to our program, but also it changes a life in a positive way. And so partnership, partnership development, we focus on community partnerships, uh, corporate partnerships, and also collegiate partnerships with regards to recruitment. Every single one of our partners is adding value to our program. You know, and one of those partnerships is community advocates. We've been involved with them for 10 years. They've been an amazing partner for us. Uh, they provide a lot of a technical training and technical assistance. So we don't have to be those experts. Community advocates are those experts. Um, it, it just, again, it, it multiplies. It's one plus one equals three when you're talking about partnerships, strategic partnerships that add value again to our, to our program, but also to the outcomes and the, the pieces of the mentoring relationship that uh, can be life-changing for, for the positive for these children. Educational success, critical. You heard Aaron talk about it. Community advocates helps us focus on educational outcomes. If there's a if there's a organization out there, an individual, a family that is interested in learning more about Big Brothers Big Sisters in Metro Milwaukee, what should they do? Where should they go? Who should they call? I would say the easiest way is to jump on the internet and and you can Google Big Brothers Big Sisters of Metro Milwaukee or our website is bbbsmilwaukee.org. Um, all of our information is there and we actually are in the office and we will pick up the phone and we will respond to people's inquiries. Um, and again, we're super thankful for the volunteers who have helped us out and all of our donors and supporters have been tremendous, including our partners. Awesome. Well, thank you, uh, Amy and Erin, for taking the time to talk with us today. And thanks for all that you do. Amy talked about the importance of partnerships. Uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters has been a strategic partner with an organization called Community Advocates for over 10 years. After the break, we're going to talk with a deputy director from Community Advocates to learn more about what they do and how this partnership offers funding, technical assistance, and training opportunities to help support Big Brothers Big Sisters. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group and News Talk 1130 WISN. I'm your host, Jill Economo. My next guest today is Carrie Southern, Deputy Director of the Public Policy Institute at Community Advocates. Welcome to the show today, Carrie. Thanks, Jill. Thanks to you and EIG for the program and the invitation. Absolutely. So tell us about yourself briefly. You know, what what brought you to Community Advocates? Sure. Well, um, similar to Amy, I have um, my entire career history of 14 years has been in the nonprofit field. It's something that's been a calling for me as long as I can remember. I actually um, started when I was pursuing my bachelor's degree. I thought I wanted to be a teacher. And I had spent much of my working teen years involved in youth programs, working with young people when I could, babysitting a ton. So I thought I knew like education, this is the way I wanted to go. I was going to be a middle school teacher. Three years into my college education, I got placed in my first fourth grade classroom. Within a week, I knew, oh my goodness, this is not for me. (laughs) 
And, um, you know, I love those young kids to death. They are amazing. I, unfortunately, am not the person who has the skill set um, to be working with them one-on-one. I, it's, my skill sets are in other endeavors. So um, at that point, I really had to do some reevaluation of what else I wanted to do. Um, I finished my degree in social work, came into the nonprofit field. I actually started as an intern um, during my college career at Community Advocates and have held any number of uh, positions since then. But what continued to sort of carry through for me was this idea of being able to positively impact young people in our world. Um, And instead of doing it one-on-one, I am now more involved in systems and looking at systems and how we can improvise and, and change those for the betterment of the young people in our world. And so you're mentoring to groups of people, uh, to the masses instead of one-on-one, which is important as well. So you are involved on the public policy side. So tell us a little bit about the Public Policy Institute and Community Advocates. Yeah, so most, um, most people who would be familiar with Community Advocates know Community Advocates as a very grassroots organization that help people with basic needs like housing and energy assistance. What fewer people may be familiar with is our division of community advocates, which is the Public Policy Institute. Back in 2008, our leadership at the time, and we continue to do great work helping people um, deal with evictions, deal with healthcare issues, deal with homelessness. But what they were seeing is we would help people come in our doors during a crisis, and then they might be back the next time they were experiencing a crisis. And they wondered at the time, could we be doing anything from a broader systems level or policy level to change people having to come back through the doors every time they encountered a crisis? So in 2008, the public policy started at Community Advocates, and it really is meant to to pair with the -the on-the-ground work we do and really take it to the next level. So in the Public Policy Institute, we definitely aim to prevent and reduce poverty still um, while focusing on wellness. Primarily, our work revolves around prevention. And in that area, we are really looking to help youth avoid risky behavior. So we do a lot of programming in that area. And really our role, um, we partner with a ton of community organizations. We don't want to be in direct competition with them. So we actually are not a direct service provider. Um, What we consider ourselves more of is a convener, a collaborator, and sometimes even a matchmaker to help community organizations um, do what they do best. And we just help support them. Well, and we talked about the importance of these partnerships. Not not one can do it all, right? I mean, the beauty is that you take an organization that does something and does it well and pair it with another organization that does something well, and voila, you've got great recipe there. Why is the partnership that you have with Big Brothers Big Sisters so important? And what does the Public Policy Institute bring to the table that they wouldn't have otherwise? Yeah, so Big Brothers Big Sisters is a the local branch is a fantastic organization, but they're also part of this larger nationwide network. Um, and being part of a nationwide network like that, I'm sure they have a lot of resources at hand on how to help with mentoring. I think one of the things that we partner with them locally on, and one of the things we pride ourselves in in the Public Policy Institute, again, not being a direct competitor for providing direct services, 
but rather um, how can we really help them foster some more of those local connections, connect them with other youth serving organizations that are doing good work. How can we help them expand and look at their services from a broader youth risk prevention lens? Um, so not just necessarily looking at mentoring programming, but how, how do they look at that evidence base, which Amy had mentioned previously? How are they looking at their data um, to really improve upon the practice of the programming that they carry? Um, they do such good work, and we want to make sure that continues. We oftentimes bring in speakers and trainings to help Big Brothers Big Sisters along with other organizations, so they're developing their capacity and skill sets again, allowing them to do the best work that they possibly can. Okay, so let's talk about this evidence-based programming. Tell us why you think that's so important. Yeah, so a lot of the funding that we um, receive in the Policy Institute and then funnel out for other organizations has really moved to having a requirement for evidence base, which is important, right? From a common sense perspective, we want to know that like the things we're giving money to are going to be successful. And I think part of our role in the Public Policy Institute and helping provide technical assistance to organizations is making sure they have all the tools to utilize the evidence base and not take away from any sort of innovation they might have for their programming. That's important too. But how can they use best practices, the most current data, um, so that really they're in the best position to deliver that programming and we can help get them things that they might not have op- opportunities for otherwise, you know, evidence based in terms of um, research that's happening or opportunities with new programs that have been shown to be effective. I think that's where we really, from the Public Policy Institute and Community Advocates, we're paying attention to that landscape and then helping bring that those resources to our community-based partners like Big Brothers Big Sisters. Okay. And again, you don't provide the direct programming, but you, you do provide resources for profit organizations and nonprofit organizations, correct? Yeah, one of the the good examples I like to share for for profits is because we do a lot of training, one of the partnerships that we've been developing more recently is bringing in necessary trainings that even for profits can benefit from. Particularly, this is happening in the mental health field. So we have a curriculum called Mental Health First Aid that we're trained in and can deliver. And gosh, with 2020, who couldn't use some additional support on how to help people deal with mental wellness? Um, So we can go and, you know, partner with other outside for-profit companies and help them best educate their staff and employees on how to make sure people are mentally well as can be. Yeah. And again, it's that whole collaborative piece, you know, bringing together different organizations in an effort to provide the best possible service to whoever it is you're serving. Right. Okay, so we have a good understanding of what community advocates and the Public Policy Institute do and how it helps various organizations. So stay tuned and we're going to wrap up and talk about how you can get in the game. And you can become involved in some way and understand what that might look like. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. 
Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group and News Talk 1130 WISN. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and I'm talking with Carrie Southern from Community Advocates. So our goal for this radio show is to highlight all these great people, these great organizations that are doing great things in our community, but we also want to educate our listeners on all these great nonprofits that are out there mainly local, some national, a few are global, so that people can decide if and when they want to make a difference in some way, big or small. So, Carrie, can everyday citizens become involved with the work that you do? And if so, what does that look like? Absolutely. Uh, Thanks for that question. I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with, um, given our, you know, even the name of our division, the Public Policy Institute. What does that look like? Where does that fit? You know, there, there's a few things I, I could recommend. So first off, because of our work is so varied within the Public Policy Institute, I didn't even talk about any of the, the policy work we do. We have a number of email listservs that we operate, which regularly keep people up to date on the programming that we do, the programming that we support, national trends we're seeing with data, those sorts of things. So one of the first things I always recommend to people is just give us a call and let us know you're interested. We'll add you to our mailing list. I talked a lot about in the previous segment, the trainings and um, things that we do. We all are always sharing upcoming training opportunities, events that are taking place. So if people are engaged or wanting to be engaged with those, those are great opportunities just to even sign up for our email list. So you keep in touch with us, find out what's going on. Who knows, that might even inspire another interest with some of the work that we share. Social media would be another thing I would suggest, um, kind of similar to listservs. Of course, we have Facebook pages like many businesses or organizations do. That's another great way to connect because we're, again, um, sharing great information of events that's going on, trainings taking place, um, an easy way to follow. And, you know, who's not stopping for a Facebook glance every once in a while uh, during the day or at night? So that would be another way to keep connected with us. Volunteering um, for our institute is a little bit harder, but when we do have opportunities, we are sharing those again via our listservs or via via our Facebook posts. So when an opportunity does arise, um, those are, again, are the ways that we're advertising that so people could pay attention to that. And then finally, um, monetary donations will always help any nonprofit. People can donate via our website. It's fairly simple and straightforward and know that their donations are going to support good work, um, support our partner organizations at times. So it will be well spent. Okay. Well, you have shared over the last couple segments, a number of different statistics. What, what do these statistics have to do with the work that you and big brothers, big sisters do? Yeah, so even Amy had mentioned some statistics in the previous segments about, you know, some of the the challenges the young people through Big Brothers, Big Sisters might encounter. I mean, let's just be really honest. 2020 was a tough year. Last when I the last time I pulled the data um, last week, in fact, there were over 150 evictions in the state of Milwaukee just last week. Since March of this year, there were over 5,000, almost 6,000 eviction filings in the midst of everything going on. According to the Brookings Institute, people who were not in the labor force who wanted a job 
spiked by four and a half million people in April, and that's remained highly elevated. These are just real life things that our children and families are experiencing. And I think in the Public Policy Institute, when we're looking to help resolve and fix poverty, um, which is no small feat, we are, again, being so focused on prevention, really value our partners, um, like big brothers, big sisters, like the work that they do. Because when our young people are in families that are dealing with this sort of turmoil, this sort of trauma, a consistent force in their lives can be so helpful. So that's why I think we really value programs um, like Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and why it's important, even though it wouldn't necessarily um, be first to your mind of how how we're connected. There's definitely some good connection. Absolutely. Through that mentoring piece, and since that's going to be our word for January, that's that's kind of what we're focusing on is how you are providing assistance in that regard. So uh, that's wonderful. If people want to get more familiar with community advocates, uh, where would they go? Is there a contact number, a Facebook page? Yep, a couple of things I would suggest. Um, just Google the Public Policy Institute in Milwaukee. Um, most people find us that way. Oh, people are also invited to just give me a call, um, 414-270-2950. That is my line, and I'm happy to take any calls to talk about this or other programming. Okay, one more time, throw out that phone number. 414-270-2950. Great. Well, I appreciate you being here today, Carrie, uh, to share your passion. Um, actually, I want to thank all of you for joining me today. Amy Kian President and CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters of Metro Milwaukee, Aaron Schmidt, Big Brother and Mentor, and Carrie Southern from Community Advocates. Thank you all for sharing your passion and your commitment to mentoring, advocating, sharing resources, all those things you do in an effort to make a difference in the community. So thank you for being here with us today. If you're interested in getting the word out on how you and or your nonprofit are making an impact in our community, contact me at jill at ellenbecker.com or you can call our office at 262-691-3200 and we can discuss how you can be a guest on the show. Join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for Milwaukee's philanthropic community on News Talk 1130 WISN and learn more about some great people, great organizations that are contributing to making our community a better place in a number of different ways. You can tune in on your radio or you can Google it on your device of choice and it'll pop right up or you can use the iHeartRadio app. You can visit our website at ellenbecker.com and listen to previously aired shows And you can also listen on demand now at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast. So let's start the new year outright. Let's greet this new year with hope and anticipation of great things to come, shall we? Let's look for ways that we can make an impact like Amy and Carrie and Aaron are all doing. You know, for Christmas this year, my brother Brett gave me the Tim Tebow book, This Is the Day. And in it, Tim says, don't wait to be the hands and feet of Jesus only when you sign up for a missions trip or you volunteer for a local service project. Be ready to give in the in-between. Sometimes these times of giving can end up being the biggest moments in our lives. 
So let's use our time, our talent, and our resources, along with a healthy dose of passion and encouragement, to help others and pay it forward. Let's make a commitment to a goal, not a goal to be rich or famous or powerful, but a goal to impact as many people as possible for something good, for something right. Let's be ready to give in the in-between, because through this process, we'll find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing all at the same time. So make it a great day and let's make it a great year.